Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by my host, Ryan Donnelly. Um, Ryan, we have another special guest here. Uh, as we are want to do for these preview shows, we, we've brought in a, an expert in the field to talk about a topic that is very close to our hearts. It's about dudes rocking. It's about the number one dudes rock candidate of the year, uh, Ed Orgeron. Ryan, who, who do we have this week? That's right, man. We've got uh, we've got a friend of the show, longtime personal friend of mine, Ryan Ginn uh of a lot of things i think currently letterman row and a lot of other places and law school or no a real lawyer now law school where are we at yeah yeah uh in the process of becoming a real lawyer let's go let's go uh well thank you for providing us legal advice in the show uh we were told you're our new uh, anti-harassment lawyer uh you'll be getting some calls from kirk barton soon um (laughs) what else is going on man how's life uh, life's pretty good. Uh, the hurricanes here have stopped, so um, that's exciting. It's finally not 95 degrees, so, you know, it's flawless here in Louisiana. Now, Ryan, we wanted to bring you on to talk about another son of the bayou. Uh, Ed Orgeron, uh, your best friend, was recently let go uh, from the position of the LSU Tigers. Uh, and there is no one we know better to talk about it with than you. Um, I guess I just want to kind of let you... Let you have the floor, man. What are your thoughts? How are you feeling uh, as a Tiger? Where are you heads at? Oh, this is amazing because uh, I've been right this whole time. And <laughs> after 2019, I had to pretend that I was wrong because he won a national championship. And I was just like this, like, I don't, I mean, you see that guy, like, I mean, not the best coach in the world. Um, and so I was like furious at him for like the first you know, three years, basically, of his tenure. Um, uh, if you remember, uh, he got – he was, like, the interim, like, late in 2016. Um, right. They fired us, like, four or five games into this season, and he kind of took over his interim. Uh, and then in 2017, uh, they lost to Troy uh, at home <laughs> the fourth game of the year, and I was like, well, this is just, like, the absolute – And it's not, your older, it's not your older brother, Troy, either. This is not uh... – this is not no. the Troy of the mid twenty mid two thousand. No, this is before Neil Brown got it going. Troy, um, and so uh, and I feel like the the week before they almost lost to Syracuse. So it was just like you know things were not going well uh, that season. They also basically like threw the bowl game against Notre Dame because he was kicking like twenty two yard field goals, and I'm just like what you know I I that's like the you know, if you know me, that's like the bane of my existence to kick a field goal inside the five yard line. And they did that like all throughout the game and missed a couple. Uh, and so and they did it wearing their sissy purple shirts too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but like just generally speaking, my, my main like criticism of him is uh, like his like personnel management, because like the theory behind like his hiring is actually like a pretty sound one, um, which is like be like Swamp Dabo, aka someone who's like the team mascot, but like makes good hires and like lets the coordinators do the work. Um, you know, Dabo is a wide receivers coach by trade who like you know was the interim coach at Clemson and then kind of got the job. Big rah rah guy who can recruit. Um, sounds a lot like Ed Orgeron, you know, longtime defensive line coach and all that. Um, so like, Look, yeah, it's time to acknowledge it. Ed Orgeron and Dabo was just urban Byron's accents. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, and, and so, uh, 
I was actually kind of on board with the theory, um, but then he didn't actually make good hires, um, and he he didn't recruit as well as I think he could have. You know, Alabama still comes into Louisiana uh, and, and gets people, which is something that even when Saban was good, you know, didn't usually happen. Um, but like you know, Devonta Smith, for example, perfect example of a guy who should never have been playing in Alabama. Um, but so the first season, his interim season, he promoted the tight ends coach, Steve Ensminger, uh, to offensive coordinator. Horrible. Uh, they got shut out by Alabama um, at home. In 2017, he's like, all right, I'm going I'm to fix this. This is his first year as, you know, being the actual head coach. Um, I, I guess I'll give him credit for keeping Dave Aranda around, you know, uh, as defensive coordinator. That That's a no-brainer to me, but you know what? Like, I'll give it to him. He, he kept him around. Um, so that that's in the good hire column. Uh, but then uh, he hired, um, oh gosh, what's his the, the guy? He's with the Steelers now, I think. Um, oh, uh, Matt, Matt Canada. Yeah, Matt, Canada. Canada. Yeah. Matt Canada. Yeah. And after about one week, it became clear that they despise each other. Um, <laughs> well, I want to, I want to point out here and it's probably worth knowing that uh, that might be more of a Matt Canada thing than an Orgeron thing. No, for uh, sure. I don't think any of his bosses or anyone who's really met him, maybe besides his wife, maybe uh, have ever liked him. <laughs> no, by all accounts, he's like a very unlikable person, but like Orgeron hired him on purpose. So, like, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about here is he, he, he was supposed to like bring in these great assistants and he brings us Matt Canada. So that lasted one year because they like, they basically, you know, took away all of Matt Canada's like job duties, you know, after like four or five weeks of that season. Um, Dude, by the way, something that always happens to him, like everyone except Pat Narduzzi, who by the way is also a moron, uh, <laughs> has like just refused to let, despite the record, I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not sold on, yeah. you know, this Narduzzi's, uh, yeah pulling his Orgeron season right now. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone besides Arduzzi has refused to let Matt Canada cook. Like, they just hire him and, like, don't let him do any of the things he's good at, essentially. It's very bizarre. That's what caused the Troy loss because, like, that's when Orgeron started, like, meddling in the play calls and stuff like that. And it was this weird balance where it was, like, two people and they were each doing it halfway. And it was kind of like, well, this – and it was a disaster. They lost to a Sunbelt team. So, I mean, yeah, this, yeah, this they, season, the Steelers brought Matt Canada in because their whole thing was like, our offensive line is terrible. We can't run the football. We need all this pre-snap motion and like moving to the tight ends to be able to generate like some of the numbers advantages, some confusion. And uh, Ben Roethlisberger, according to a friend of the show, who I can't name, uh, who, uh, who covers the team, uh, basically Ben Roethlisberger in the locker room was like, yeah, I just don't like doing that. And, uh, <laughs> and the Steelers were like, well, I guess Ben's right. And, Basically, yeah. wouldn't let Canada call any kind of pre-snap motion the first three or four weeks of the season, uh, and they have now started doing it. And suddenly, the offense can move again. It's it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's, so uh, he didn't really get a chance, and they they didn't like each other, and so he was out after one season. And so Orgeron just brings back Steve Insminger to be the offensive coordinator again. This goes horribly again. Uh, he they don't score against Alabama um, in until. 2019 he had been the the offensive coordinator for two games against Bama and they'd scored zero points which is like as you know for LSU fans uh would rather like chew glass than have that happen um and and so in in 2019 was kind of the big uh thing where uh 
you know, he goes and, and it's actually hilarious now, like in hindsight, um, you know, they get Joe Brady from the saints um, and they insist that Stevens Minger is still in charge of the offense, which looks totally different by the way, like an LSU offense has never looked before, um, you know, in Joe Burrow's second season and then they go and they destroy everyone. Uh, so, you know, Ed Orgeron, secret genius. Uh, this is that, that, that season is basically what, we were pitched on from the start, you know, hire good coordinators, you know, cookie monster is the mascot, uh, recruit pretty well. Um, and then Aranda and Joe Brady both left after that season and Ed Orgeron left his wife. Uh, and, uh, he started interviewing girlfriend candidates, uh, (laughs) instead of coordinator candidates hired Polini without even, uh, interviewing him, which is just like, so Bo Pelini, and I, I, I thank God I still have the receipts on this um, from texting my, my good friend Chris Hetty, who worked with us at Land of Ten covering Nebraska. Um, oh, yeah. He texted me the news, and I was just like, this is the worst day of my life. Um, <laughs> Bo Pelini last coordinated a defense. The last quarterback he faced as a defensive coordinator was Todd Beckman. <laughs> God. <laughs> like, imagine, like, those offenses, what they were like back then, SEC, Big Ten, you know, 2000, mid-2000s, and, like, now, you know, what LSU ran the season before. And in that first game, if you remember, Mike Leach, they could have scored, like, 100 on them. Yeah. You know, it was, like, 50, oh, yeah. 50 or whatever. Mississippi State didn't score the rest of the season. They, like, <laughs> they were, like, oh, wow, Mike Leach, you know, it's about time he got a chance. And then he, like, goes and you know shits the bed and like yeah he turned every defense into georgia's this season yes, yeah exactly. <laughs> Perfect description. um they hired scott linehan and i was just like what is happening like scott Linehan. i feel like we're again i feel like we're getting you on the stephen a smith here role you're like you know the last quarterback he coordinated against was todd beckman who was on crack uh, <laughs> <laughs> i just like don't, don't you see how that's insane you know like what um, so yeah, that, that was my big thing is, uh, you know, if you, if you look at it, 17, 18, so in basically, you know, all but one of the seasons he's been the head coach, you know, they've completely, uh, bungled the offensive coordinator hire. And then they've also been lost ever since Dave Aranda, who he inherited, but again, credit to him for keeping him, uh, ever since he left, you know, they, they hired Polini, and then I don't even know the name of our current defensive coordinator. He was like the the butler for the Vikings um, and they like <laughs> like their fifth choice. So um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it all is like, and I mean, obviously, you know, if anyone's read Brody Miller's story in the athletic um, Ross Dellinger at sports illustrated wrote another good one about what, you know, Ordron's been getting into um, that stuff is just like, you, you got to have one or the other. You can't, you can't lose and do that stuff, you know? And I, I want I want to dive into the off the field stuff super quick. Before yeah. we do that, I do I do want to ask you. Um, there are four coaches who have lost in a bowl game to Notre Dame in the last ten years. Do you know who they are? I mean, at least two of them are LSU coaches. That's right. That's right. It's Ed Orgeron, Les Miles, uh, and then Matt Campbell and Kyle Flood. That's a great list. Elite. <laughs> that is, that is terrific list mount rushmore of guys right there um yeah 
So, so, so the, the, the Brody Miller report and the Ross Salinger reporting, the, I mean, like there's some other stuff I think we should probably get into with like the, like serious side of this, with like the, like the sexual assault on campus and Orgeron's yeah, maybe involvement sure. in that, but in like the, the funny side of it, which is more fun to talk about, uh, you have the reports that reports that, you know, <laughs> there are two that have stick out to me, which are Brody Miller's story of Ed Orgeron pulling up to a gas station and uh, hitting on a pregnant woman who was married to an influential LSU uh, official, um, you know, tells her that she looks like she works out and they should work out together. Uh, and she told him she was pregnant and married. He said, what's that matter? Like the horny 14 year old. Uh, and the second one, which I just saw last night for the first time, uh, it's from Matt Trent here. Matt Trent works for some local news affiliate uh, in Louisiana. Uh, said, with regards to Orgeron's personal life leading into his coaching life, sources tell uh, WBRZ that there were multiple practices where, quote, girlfriends would be in attendance of practice and would, quote, interfere to the degree of children of the women taking part in the drills with the team. Uh. <laughs> That's true. Um, one of my friends uh, texted me uh, pictures from this one woman's Instagram. Uh, that's like a, a friend of a friend of his who was one of uh, Coach Orgeron's, uh, you know, concubines and uh, <laughs> women of interest and uh, affiliates. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was a picture of uh, him like. You know, coaching up these two kids at a recruiting camp, you know, for like actual recruits and stuff. And there's two small children, you know, that he's like, you know, meeting with on the sideline and whatever. Another one of like, you know, little junior in his office. And I was just like, oh, God, it's, you know, it's true. Um, I mean, I believed it because, I mean, they're all solid reporters. But I mean, yeah. Just- also, just based on the number of pictures that have leaked out, Ed, like, has the most specific type of like uh, of anyone I've ever seen. Dude, yeah. his, his type is Shelly Meyer. <laughs> oh, uh, well, I think all he has to do is call up or find himself on a boat. Yeah. Allegedly, um, parody. Allegedly. <laughs> um, just, I mean, yeah, I mean, go ahead. I, I just remember thinking like, so they won the national championship in like January 2020. And then like, I want to stay within like a month, he divorced his wife. And I remember that was like a little bit of like a red flag, just in the sense of like someone leaving their wife right after like the accomplishment of their lifetime, you know? And then like the snapshot started and I was like, it's worse than we thought it was going to be. Um, and like, I mean, I get it. He was on top of the world and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, dude, like he's get it together, man. Like you, you can't do that stuff when you're hiring Bo Pelini. Like it's just it's <laughs> like he forgot where he was, you know, like, yeah, LSU loves you. Have you met LSU fans? Like we're insane. Uh, so, I mean, it doesn't take a lot for them to like turn, you know, I, during the national championship season, I was like beating the drum for like us being led by like the King moron as he's like winning us a national championship. So I'll admit, you know, <laughs> not the most realistic fan base, but to that point, maybe you should try your job. Um, you yeah. Know? But also, couldn't you argue that um, every national title won, uh, like in the Saban era, not by Nick Saban has been won by a moron. Yeah. Yeah. 
You have that's that's one of the requirements. I mean, you have yeah. to be a moron. It's, it's Urban Meyer. It's Dabo. It's Orgeron. It's Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. Uh, it's Gene Chizik. Like it's just a litany of morons. It, it is, and uh, really <laughs> Mac Brown. Me. Yeah, like I mean, it's you know when people talk about like you know who might be the next LSU coach half half of me wants to say like do, I mean does it matter have you seen the last coaches who have won national championships here like uh the last coach who it's all of them it's all of Jerry, them yeah the last coach who didn't was Jerry DiNardo you know who uh you know outside of LSU like won like three games ever you know so coaching at Vanderbilt in Indiana um and he was he won like nine or ten games in a season at LSU like so really anyone can do it. Um, but yeah, uh, it's true. Uh, somehow, uh, you know, being a moron doesn't mean you can't win a national championship. That is, that is. Well, I guess what I'm curious about here is like when it comes to his firing, you know this better than us. All all I do is read the reports. Basically. I know you actually talk to people who are writing the reports, uh, (laughs) you know, of everything that led to his firing, how much of this was the off the field embarrassment stuff? How much of it was the actual like serious off field stuff with like, you know, I think there was a lawsuit alleging that he was like aware of a sexual assault by a player that, uh, uh, that he allowed to happen or basically didn't do anything to report. Um, you know, and there's how much of it is just literally losing the games. Like if he was winning, if losing games like this and clean off the field, would he have been like, Oh, at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's losing the games. Um, and the reason I say that is because some of this stuff is the first time we're hearing about it. And if LSU had wanted that to be the reason he got fired, uh, then I imagine <laughs> would have reported on that sooner. Um, and so, I mean, that to me is just what it is. Uh, as, as no, it's, as, yeah, as, it's as, not as unique. Sounds, you know, I, I do imagine if he was still winning that he'd still be LSU's coach. Um, I, I think though that, the off the field stuff definitely like left a bad taste in people's mouth um, and made it like less um, like it gave him less leeway um, in losing games um, and the title nine thing too. Uh, and that specifically, I actually thought I was shocked to hear Bruce Feldman, who is, is if you, if you ever hear Bruce Feldman reporting a source related to an Ed Orgeron thing, I just want you to know the source is Ed Orgeron. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's written two books on him now. Um, yeah, he talks about it pretty openly at this point, I think. He's like, the tweet when Ed Orgeron was fired was nothing but, like, Ed Orgeron's accomplishments. And I was like, yes, those are the only things that happened in the Ed Orgeron era here. Yeah. Great, great job. Um, well, of course, it's like Pete the Mel with Urban Meyer, right? Like, there's yeah, just no, no point. Um, and, yeah. and so, uh, you know, I think it was Bruce who reported that Orgeron's going to get his full buyout, which I was – somewhat shocked by but i also could see i thought lsu was going to use the title nine stuff to try and fire him with cause but me and my friends had like an hour-long discussion one one time on like whether he was like crazy enough to like not accept a reduced buyout and say like do that and challenge it and whether well, LSU, the jeremy pruitt move and whether L, yeah and whether lsu would call his bluff or not um because i think he knows that like and this isn't, I mean, not to go off on a tangent, but, like, it always, like, I, I couldn't believe some of the contracts LSU gave him because, like, who else in the country was like, man, we got to have Ed Orgeron in charge of our program. You know what I mean? So, like, but, like, with that knowledge, um, you know, this is the job 
he wants. And so I, I think there is a chance he would have like, you know, gone down fighting for it and like, you know, just burned all the bridges. So uh, I'm like half surprised, half not that like this didn't end up either with like a reduced buyout or like a crazy messy situation. Um, but yeah, that uh, that's, that's kind of where I thought the title nine stuff would play in. Um, as, as like depressing as that is to say, I don't, I don't think it was a huge factor in the firing other than like LSU trying to use it for leverage in like both the decision and any compensation stuff they might've tried. So does he get hired at Miami before or after the early signing day? Oh man, that would be, that would be pretty <laughs> wild. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to happen um, just because uh, it's almost like that. He has that one season and some of the reports that came out are just so bad. But the thing is, he actually is a great defensive line coach. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, is he's, he's uh, like a like a dumber Larry Johnson, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and probably like you know not as good of a recruiter. But you don't have to be whenever the he's where the five stars live. So I mean, yeah, it's, it's less work. Um, so I'm interested to see what he does next. He says he'll take a year off, but I, I don't know if I believe that because these people always say that. But like when you're a coach, that's like. I mean, Urban was so desperate he took a job with the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's pretty much where I'm at, like how, yeah. how hard it is for – Mac Brown's coaching at like age 80, you know, with the Grim Reaper <laughs> up behind him, you know, in North Carolina. Like they just can't quit, you know? Like, can't I, do it. Absolutely respect, cannot do it. Uh, you know, Bob Stoops only had like a little side hustle, you know, coaching that like fake football league or mm-hmm. whatever for a few weeks before it folded, you know, that's like the the best anyone's done, you know, this whole time at like being retired. I truly can't think of any others that actually have stayed retired. Uh, Chris, Chris Peterson comes to mind, level. but Chris Peterson yeah, comes to mind. Like he's he's well, weird. This is a freak nature. Yeah. You know, he like, he like hates everything about, you know, being a head coach, except the coaching part. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he's, he's good. Gary Anderson. Yes. Yes. Oh, wow. I love that. Love that <laughs> yeah. That's, that's uh, fair. Man. For, well, I guess. Go ahead. Go on, Pat. Uh, for Ed's sake, I really hope he doesn't go to Miami. Cause there's a, in in the first of those two Bruce Feldman books, there's a lengthy uh, excerpt about how, uh, how important his wife was to keeping him from like dying of alcohol poisoning when he lived in Miami. Yeah. Um, or it would have been after that, but he was, he was severe. He was a severely alcoholic and, and it was his wife that kind of, uh, helped him get out of that and not having that around and living in Miami seems like kind of a bad, uh, mixture for, for Ed yeah. Orgeron. So I, I hope for his sake that he goes and coaches at like Iowa. Um, although maybe not actually, <laughs> as I think about the makeup of that staff. Yeah. The uh, place where they don't drink a lot of alcohol. Yeah. Uh, uh, he needs to go. <laughs> he needs to go to the only dry staff in America. Folks, that's right. It's uh, North Carolina where Mac Brown doesn't want his coaches to drink. <laughs> Is that true? No, probably not, but it could be. Well, oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, What's he fun? needs to team up with Brett Bielema so bad. Yes. It has to happen. Yes, absolutely. That is a, that's a combo I want to see. God. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> uh, so, so, Ryan, I guess I'm curious now, looking ahead, there's been a lot of reported candidates, right? I think no one really expects the uh, the Dabo or Jimbo Fisher wants to come to fruition. Right. Yeah. Uh, but 
I mean, James Franklin's a candidate for any job, it seems like, any given week. Uh, James, Franklin, like, James Franklin has a good agent. That is what that means. Yeah, <laughs> James Franklin is coming on the podcast, I've actually heard. <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> It seems like Billy Napier is, of course, like a logical one for a lot of people. Who, I guess, what have you heard anything interesting besides Mel Tucker, of course? And who do you want? Uh, oh, great question. Um, so I would say that, like, I was actually worried that there's a chance Scott would call Jimbo Fisher. Scott Woodward is LSU's athletic director. He was the athletic director at who hired uh, Jimbo? A&M who hired Jimbo. Yeah. Uh, which is uh, not a compliment in my book, um, you know, given that contract and what Jimbo's done since then. And I mean, another, yeah, like we said, you know, part of the moron club who had a, a really good quarterback one year. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I was really, whenever Jimbo was saying, you know, emphatically that he denies, it, I was just like, oh, think, you know, this is the best news I've ever heard. And I actually believe him. Um, he, he, I mean, he famously turned down LSU whenever, you know, the, the hiring cycle when they hired Orgeron. So, I mean, um, I, I'm pretty happy that he's not going to be here. And that's just uh, a personal taste. He's like dead last in NCAA every year and going forward on fourth down. And I just like, it would be like drinking poison to watch that for me personally. Um, so, yeah, uh, Billy Napier is a guy that, like, uh, you know, he's, like, a, a kind of a logical candidate. I don't love the fact that he's uh, a Saban defensive coordinator. Um, you know, the, the one thing is, like, yeah, okay, to be fair, nobody ever wins against Nick Saban. But, like, his defensive assistants are, like, like famously suck at, you know, trying to be <laughs> um Kirby, Kirby is the only yeah. one who's gotten it right, and it's mostly because of like the hires he's made, and they're just recruiting out of their mind right now. But I mean, yeah, but but couldn't you just do the Kirby formula in Louisiana? Like, isn't just getting all the guys in Georgia? Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, in a second, I'm about to explain why none of this actually matters. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I mean, that that's fine. Uh, Mel Tucker's kind of interesting. Um, I, I just being your third job in four years, I, I think, is a risky move. Um, the last time they hired a Michigan State coach, it did work out because uh, that was Nick Saban. Um, so I, I'm not one of those people who's like, no Yankees allowed or whatever. You know, like, uh, you know, Les is a Michigan grad. Nick Saban's from West Virginia. They both did fine here. Um, and yeah, so- you guys can't see the video, but Ryan does have a gun pointed at the camera right now and he was saying no Yankees allowed. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, and so, uh, you know, that's not a deterrent to me. I don't think it has to be someone from Louisiana or anything like that. Um, one thing, I mean, uh, Lane Kiffin, I think, would be good. I'm, like, a little bit worried about, like, letting him loose here. Um, and, like, <laughs> you know, his – Speaking of guys that don't have wives. Can he take the next step, you know? It's, it's kind of one of those things. Um, but, yeah. I mean, defense is, is, is frankly amazing. He is a guy who Orgeron Orgeron tried to hire him to be his offensive coordinator because like that, um, if you remember Orgeron, you know, was being interviewed for the job in the 2016 season, which is the season Lane got himself fired as Alabama's assistant uh, right before the national championship game. (laughs) Um, But then he ended up getting the job at uh, Florida Atlantic. Um, And, you know, we got to watch. Speaking of that interview, by the way, great anecdote in that Bernie Miller piece that, uh, I don't know if he just made it up or if it's true, but that uh, Orgeron was driving to the facility for his interview to get the offer. 
playing Born on the Bayou. No, uh, that's, like a, that's like a very infamous like part of like his hiring story lore. That like <laughs> it's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. slamming Red Bulls. I'm sure. Um, uh, our old coworker Austin Ward uh, covered Tennessee when Orgeron, like when Lane left, and he said when they were like evacuating the place and trying to sneak him out, a guy came out of Orgeron's office wheeling out like a, a mini fridge, like with like designed by Red Bull with nothing but Red Bull in it. <laughs> that kicks like, ass. That's what that guy needs more energy, you know? Um, yeah. So, like that born on the Bayou thing is while ridiculous is apparently true um, because it's been pretty like, badass. I know that's yeah. cool. That's a good story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so like, you know, like Lane, Lane, Lane would be, you know, I'd, I'd be pretty happy with that. But like at the end of the day, um, and I, I, I talked about this a little bit, but I, I'd like to elaborate it on it if I can. Um, LSU, it seems to not matter who coaches. Um, you know, <laughs> like if you look at Nick Saban, uh, he was good at Michigan State. He wasn't great. He was nowhere close to what D'Antonio did. He was like, I think his he had four seasons in a row where he was like either like six and six, seven and six, five, you know, with within one game of 500 every single season. And then in 99, he went nine and two. And that's when LSU hired him. Um, but like that was the nine and two was like, that was a, a one-time deal. Everything else than that, he was 500. Um, and then, you know, less, less was 500 in big 12 play at Oklahoma state. He had that famous YouTube video. If you Google like less miles, let it rip. Like, you know, the one time Oklahoma state was good, uh, they uh they went and you know played the Oklahoma Oklahoma State game and you know in his pregame interview he like leans into the microphone and says let her rip and they lost by like eight hundred points. Um, <laughs> he, he wasn't like that's I, actually very funny. Yeah, I I you know have been a fan of college football my whole life. Been going to LSU games since nineteen ninety four, and I I remember I don't know if I had heard of Les Miles you know when he got hired or at least I hadn't thought about him you know. Uh, there's actually a funny story that, like, I don't know if it's actually been told since it w- appeared in the LSU paper, like, when Nick Saban was hired. But um, when Nick Saban was at his interview um, in Baton Rouge in, in you know, late 1999, um, his uh, his wife went out to uh, lunch with some other LSU bigwigs who weren't you know, doing the interview while he was with like the president and chancellor and AD or whoever. And they went to this burger chain called Brubacher's, which is having a competition um, to name the next LSU coach. And you, you know, put it in. And the, the, I remember like the first person who like put the, that, you know, the coach's name down would get like a prize. And then they would random draw from all the other people who put that coach's name down. Miss Terry was in Baton Rouge with her husband, who was at a job interview. Nick Saban's name wasn't on that board yet. Their server wrote it down and won the contest <laughs> because he realized that Nick Saban's wife was in Baton Rouge. So that's how like secretive that hire was, and how like no one even like considered the possibility that LSU would hire a career 500 Michigan State coach. Um, so you got those two, Ed Orgeron. They hired their defensive line coach. Like straight up, a guy who was three yeah. and twenty-one as a head coach in SEC play. Uh, that's who they hired to replace Les. All sixteen and twenty-seven guys, overall. Yeah, sixteen yeah. and twenty-seven overall. All, all three of those guys won national championships. Jerry Denard. And to your point, to your point about the records here, I, I yeah. looked it up while you were talking. 
Uh, the winning percentages: Orgeron was point seven four two. Yeah, yeah. Saban was seven five zero, and West was seven seven zero. All like identical, absolutely yeah. identical. Yeah. So like, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe we should hire you. You know? Do you want? Like, <laughs> I'll um, take a few million dollars. Yeah. Um. Just go to go to the high schools here. Um. Make sure that you know their players are you know all have their limbs. Uh. And you know you should prepare. <laughs> like Gary Donardo. I, I mean, I don't have this up right now, but I know, like, he wasn't ever – his breakout season at Vanderbilt was, like, when they won four or five games. And then after LSU, I mean, there's – he didn't win more than three games in a season. I, I can tell you that. Like, let me let me see here. Uh, yeah, he was 3-9, and 2-10, and ten, and 3-8. and eight. And at Vanderbilt, <laughs> he was 5-6, and 4-7, and 5-6, and 5-6. and six. That's what got him hired at LSU. At LSU Let's go. He went seven, four, and one, and then ten and two, and then nine and three. In that nine and three season, he beat the brakes off of Nick Saban's Michigan State team in the Independence Bowl. Like Jerry Donato, <laughs> so win over Nick Saban by like twenty something points. Um, so I mean, part of me's like, eh, like just just hire someone who's like not going to upset me, you know, like and. You know, chances are they'll probably win at some point just because, like, you know, we produce five-star defensive linemen. Like, you know, it's it's like no different than growing sugarcane down here. So, I mean. Right. Yeah. I mean, it'll, I mean, and now, you know, we're starting to get some quarterbacks. That's pretty crazy. Uh, you know, the. the five- Allegedly. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's an LSU legacy who uh, is like the number one quarterback in the class of 2022 uh walker howard he's like the son of jamie howard who played at lsu uh jamie howard i cannot believe is sending his kid to lsu because uh you know uh half the fan base probably threatened his life when he was a quarterback here he's the guy who uh threw five interceptions against auburn in like the 93 Mm. game 93 or 94 uh Auburn was like coming off their undefeated season and LSU had a huge lead on them. He threw five interceptions in the fourth quarter alone, three pick sixes and LSU lost by like one score. Um, he had a JT Barrett game is what you're saying. <laughs> I've seen JT do amazingly enough. Although, I mean, basically just imagine like the Iowa game condensed into one quarter. Um, <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, apparently his uh, his kid, you know, has forgiven LSU for our sins against his father. So, um, allegedly, I mean, I, and that's interesting about Walker Howard. I just kind of operate on the assumption that whoever you guys hire is just gonna, you know, you're gonna hire Lane Kiffin and get Arch Manning and to start from day one and I, I, win a I national title in year two. I, I don't think Arch is gonna come here. Um, I, I mean, that's like a little bit of like. LSU fans are like conspiracy brother from undercover brother when it comes to the Manning family. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, it's just like, I, it's, it, he, uh, I just like, if I turn that way, his school is like three blocks this way. No. Uh, way. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's like, uh, you know, Odell went there too, but for the most part, it's like this. Like, aren't, aren't there some guidelines prohibiting you from living that close? Uh, (laughs) unbelievable um but uh it's a private school it doesn't count 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Ryan, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's like this, like, you know, rich, preppy, you know, like, small school that, like, uh, isn't really, like, it's not a place where, like, you know, people whose parents went to LSU go. Um, it's like, you know, the you know, the great oppressors of this city, uh, you know, send their youth there. Um, it's where, you know, the saints, obviously, you know, uh, you know, Archie, when he was playing there, sent his kids there. Um, but I, I believe Odell played there on scholarship. He, as he well. did. Um, so that's like LSU's like big get out of there, but it's not a place where you're like, Oh man, like there are schools down here where I'm like, okay, you're like, you know, you're going to go to LSU. I, I like mm-hmm. just that as a fact. Um, Isidore Newman is not that place, and neither is um, John Curtis, which has kind of fallen off the map, but it used to be like Joe McKnight went there. Um, oh, sure. Like, the, you know, Louisiana wanted to riot when he chose USC, but they're, like, famous for, like, not sending people to LSU. Um, Isn't it University Lab is the big feeder school? It's like yes. the – Yes. Yeah. Uh, that, that's a huge one. That's on LSU's campus. Um, there are some other, like, big ones down there. <laughs> Um, a lot of the schools here, um, like St. Aug is like the, a Catholic school down here. That's, uh, predominantly, uh, black. Um, and, uh, it's produced a lot of really good people. Uh, Tyrion Matthews, one of them, but there's been like a ton. Leonard Fournette went there. Um, but like no one's ever like, Ooh, Isidore Newman, a Manning, like sign me up for LSU. Now that this could change that. Um, depending on who else. Specifically Lane, I think, because he has a pretty tight relationship with Lane, yeah, is my understanding. Sure. I think that would be uh, a game changer. Quite hilariously, I believe he's the only person Lane follows on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, I believe Ole Miss, for their home game this week, is painting the end zone with the word Manning in it, nominally to honor uh, Eli, but I mean, Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> or Archie, one of the two. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's just hilarious. Um. I also wonder if he would come if Walker Howard, you know, does come here one year before him, but I actually, I honestly doubt he'd care about that. Um, yeah. He's Quinn Ewers, right? He just doesn't. I've never met a quarterback who's like, yeah, I'm not going to win that job. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, why, that's why the transfer portal is like, you know, just like the, the off cast QB rankings of yesteryear. Um, because they all, this would be a subject for another day, but I am like, I've never really thought about it, and I wonder if anyone's heard about it, but the fact that, like, Louisiana is heavily Catholic and the rest of the South is so heavily, like, Baptist and, yeah, and it's every crazy. other Protestant denomination. Yeah. I wonder if it's ever affected, like, why Louisiana or why LSU recruits Louisiana so well, like, just the cultural difference at all. I've never I mean, really thought – I don't know if it does. It might just be I, 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 They definitely, like, play to it um, for sure. Um, I, I Shout out to the French. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, the, the big thing is, like, there's no other state school here that's, like, you know, a Power Five conference, um, you know, like, the way that, um, you know, Ohio State's pretty similar in that regard, where there's no, like, uh, you know, Alabama, Auburn, Mississippi, Mississippi State, Texas, Texas A&M, et cetera. Um, sure. But, I mean, I honestly think part of it is, like, it's such, like, a unique area. South Louisiana in particular. So, I mean, uh, yeah, obviously, I, I mean, I could, I'm not going to lecture on this for, like, an hour. Uh, North Louisiana <laughs> is Baptist. South Louisiana is super Catholic. North Louisiana, they don't even celebrate Mardi Gras. And that's where Nick Saban found his inn. In Sickening. It, it, it's absolutely awful. I honestly think I would love for them to just, like, you know, hack off the North Louisiana 
give like Shreveport to Texas. Look, and brother, I've got some thoughts about the Baptists. Just let yeah. me tell you that. Shreveport <laughs> <laughs> is all Cowboys fans. Give them to Texas. And then, uh, you know, the rest of Northeast Louisiana can either go to Mississippi or Arkansas. Um, and, you know, we can keep the rest. But like Nick Saban was recruiting like West Monroe and Neville, like these big schools up there. Um, he got like, there's they, they had like three top 100 prospects. Um, including, Neville is where Richard Lawrence played, I believe. Yes. And that's why I was like so huge that Orgeron got him. Uh, he went to Neville, uh, which is uh, actually where my dad went um, because my dad's from. Oh, cool. Um, uh, he actually converted from Baptist to Catholic when he married my mom. <laughs> Let's so that's go. <laughs> a perfect example of Louisiana, like right there, you know. Um, but Nick Saban got into North Louisiana and, you know, where it's not, they don't have a huge connection to LSU. It's four hours away. Um, and they have, God, I feel like his last name was like Robinson or something. He was like a five-star offensive tackle. Uh, Cam Robinson. Oh, like, sure. They got him and two other top 100 prospects who didn't pan out as well. Um, all three in the same year around like the 2015-ish era. Um, now, if I recall correctly, I may be wrong about this. I believe Cam Robinson is the one who had that equipment live on ESPN where it was like a bidding war live on the air where he was like, <laughs> I think this is him. It could be another one, someone else, but I think maybe it was Chance Warmack who played at Bama. But one of the two were scheduled to make their commitment on TV, and he was like about to go up to the, you know, the microphone. Uh-huh. They like asked for a delay, and they went to commercial oh, break. God. And it was like he was going to pick uh, either LSU or Auburn or something. Uh-huh. And like came back and picked Bama. It's, it's something to that effect. Like these yeah. schools last second. Classic Everyone's like, "Oh, the bag just got phoned in." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Landon Collins uh, is another famous. Uh, oh LSU. sure, yeah. Baton Rouge area, um, but he, uh, you know, I knew one of my, you know, really good friends was a recruiting writer. Texted me that night. You know, Landon's gonna, uh, you know, put on the Bama thing and then throw it off and put on the LSU thing. So I'm like watching it and he just never took the Bama gloves off. Uh, and I was just like, felt like, you know, a kid who got coal at Christmas or whatever. Um, but yeah, like whoever they need, that's like the one thing recruit Louisiana. That's like, that's, that's your entire job description. Um, Orgeron started doing it a little bit better. He still let Devonta Smith get away. Um, who's from the a meet area, which is also not like a huge LSU area. Um, but like, it's just like, you know, one of those situations where you, you, you can't lose them, and you certainly can't lose them to the team, the one team you have to beat. You know, so that's. I, I really hope that they look to this like. It does not have to be a Louisiana person, but it has to be someone who figures out Louisiana recruiting. You know, if you've ever read those those like stories, the Athletic does where they like do like the recruiting confidentials. Oh, I love those. Yeah, the Virginia one was so interesting one because. They're just, I mean, Justin Fuente is about to get roasted on a spit there, but all the high school coaches despise him because he doesn't even look at As he deserves. Um, (laughs) How do you go to a state like that and not even try? You can use the Texas thing as, like, filler, but why would you go to Virginia Tech? Which, by the way, barely on the map, Blacksburg. Like, going down there, I was like, we're going to disappear in the middle of the night in these mountains. Um, And you're just going to people people not from there to go there. Like, you've got, like, a free ticket right here with people people who grew up when Frank Beamer had it rolling there and they're like not even trying. So like my one qualification is like, just like be from wherever you want, but don't do that. You know, like don't, don't try to like not. And that's why, that's why Les was successful. That's why Sabo was successful. You know, there are people who hadn't been in Louisiana a day in their life and it, it just didn't matter at all. Um, because yeah. they, 
they, they and they also, like, by the way, win more battles in Houston than lose too. Like you, you get Louisiana, you yeah. get Houston, yeah, and absolutely. then you pick and choose in Georgia or Florida around it, and that's pretty much all you need to do. Nash or Memphis is wide open. They do a little bit pretty well, Memphis, I recall. Yeah, I, I thought LSU might vote against Texas joining for the simple fact that they could handle A and M, but like Texas might cut into their Houston. They, they've they've had like a pretty legendary time in like the last fifteen years in Houston over. The- <laughs> who like didn't go to uh, either one of those schools or that they won over those schools. Um, you know, the type of thing that like, uh, you know, Ohio state's exploited uh, in the Dallas area, mostly under Ryan right. Day. Um, and Austin too. Yeah. 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 Just those things that you have to do whenever like big programs are down in a state like that. Um, and they've also had a lot of success in South Florida, whenever Miami has been down and stuff like that, you know, Patrick Peterson, guys like that. Um so yeah, it's uh, you know they they you just got to hit your spots, and if you do that, I mean history's shown an idiot can do it. You know, like uh, you know Jordan Jefferson played the national championship game. So I mean, you know, with Les Miles as his coach, any anything's possible uh, if if you if you do it right. So I'm not like too hurt. I just don't want, just like don't be a jerk. Like, I mean, I I think if if they hired Mike Gundy, I would just like walk into the river. And like, <laughs> um, because I just don't want to deal with that. You know what I mean? Um, I hear, OANU, brother. OANU. I, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I hear that. Uh, I hear that Nick Rolovich is available. If you're interested. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> we actually have a Democratic governor uh, and have you know mask and vaccine mandates. So uh, you know, it might be the one Southern state he uh, <laughs> he can't really sniff around right now. <laughs> yeah, you guys got to. Uh... I don't know. I think I think John Gruden's looking for a redemption story. It's, it's, it's never <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm it's sure. Bad. By the way, you know Tennessee. I, I, don't, I don't. So bad. You know. I don't read the LSU message boards, of course, but I am an avid reader uh, of the Ohio State message boards, as I am yes. as I'm wont to do. And uh, no. you know, I mean, immediately four seconds after the John Gruden thing came out, like there were 14 threads about like I don't see what the big deal is. I don't know. I mean, what's what's wrong with that? And uh, <laughs> just, unbelievable you know, associated um, posts, but uh, yeah, yeah, well, again, I guess I'm curious. Uh, just he, he can't just draft them, like y'all, y'all know you're a fan of <laughs> right? And like, you'll have to explain this to parents. No, I guess they, yeah, he's his plan is to resegregate college football, so, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so are the big takeaways here, uh, don't be an asshole, recruit Louisiana, and don't make your sex life too public. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Dan, do you have anything uh any any parting thoughts or anything you want to plug yeah i just hope the next one like you know just go for it on fourth down and don't kick 22 yard field goals that's all I <laughs> there we go like i, I didn't want to like i mean he, all he had to do is be the mascot and like make good hires and he couldn't do that that that's really the biggest thing you know like i mean we might have stumbled onto something here when y'all talked about all the the idiots who have won national championships just like you know, go find your Brent Venables or whoever, you know, um, that will like do all the work for you. Um, and, and you're set like <laughs> LSU, like Orgeron would be like the genius of college football if Joe Brady had stayed, you know, um, and they just, they can't replicate it. Cause it turns out it's like, it's really hard to hire people when people think you're about to get fired. Um, so he kind of wasted his like mulligan year on Bo Pelini and it was so bad and gave him no like runway to like, you know, so unbelievable. Like, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to work there either. If you screw up, like they, like they knew they had to know that. 
that they they were you know risking it all to come here this year which is why it made him made it harder for him to hire people but i mean uh bomani jones talked about this and it's something i've said before i i don't know because like i considered georgia probably the number one job in college football um lsu is very much in the conversation and i think the fact that they've had three people raise their winning percentage by you know 200 like you know 20 percent um from their last job uh and then you saw what less did at kansas um Maybe a hot take here, but there are uh, four jobs that are running for the best in college football, and none of them are in Florida or Texas. Yeah, and I- I'll say this. I don't even know if Alabama's won, because if you look, like Saban might have made it one, but, like, LSU's never had a Mike DeBose. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, if you look, Dennis Francione or whoever, you know, those types of people, he's like, you know, Mike Price or whoever that they hired. <laughs> we covered Mike Price on our on our most hilarious coaching firings episode of the offseason. Like, uh, two good coaches ever. Now they happen to be really good. Uh, <laughs> they, they, they hit on both of those. But like when it's not, it's not a state that produces a ton of recruits. It's not a high population state. Um, you've got Auburn there too, you know, that you've got to recruit against all the time. So, I mean, I don't know if Alabama's in there. Georgia and LSU are the two that come to mind. USC, why don't people take the USC job? It's like, like, dab any, I think anyone who's not Nick Saban should take the USC job because it's the biggest front running job in the world. And if they have a good coach there, they'll never lose another recruit on the West Coast. Like, Pete Carroll got it rolling there. And he, like, <laughs> his job before that was like, idiot. Uh, New England Patriots coach, you know, didn't work at all. And he came there and he, you know, three years in a row basically played for a national title or won it. And so, and, and that's why they're going to hire Jack Del Rio now. It, it cracked. I'm like, what are you <laughs> doing? But I also blame it on the coaches. I have no idea why college football coaches are so scared to take risks and leave the job they have. Like, it's objectively a better job. Than- yeah. What's the worst thing that happens? You get $17 million in free cash exactly. to not work. You know, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just like, but like to me, LSU is up there, and so I hope that helps them make a good hire. But I also think like the world probably won't end if they don't, and whoever they hire will end up looking better than they actually are. So, uh, you know, congrats to whoever that person ends up being. <laughs> it's you. Uh, <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on, man. We've loved it. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And uh, whenever whenever Tulane has a coaching circus offseason, we'll have to bring you back on for that. Uh, Got some. <laughs> So, yeah, please follow him on Twitter at RMGAN. And, uh, you know, feel free to DM him any hour of the day with any legal questions you have. He always enjoys when you do that. That's uh, true. <laughs> hey, vegan are still open. I don't know why. So, I guess that is technically true. You can do that. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. We'll let you go. Appreciate you. Right. See you. All right, Ryan, you want to you do some previewing now? Let's hit it. So we will mention here, we were recording almost directly ahead of uh, Coastal at App State, which is a game we were really excited for, are really excited for. I'm amped up to watch it, uh, but because it's happening uh, before this podcast goes up, we're not really going to preview it at the risk of being extremely wrong on the internet, which is really the the That's number right. the Just number one that thing we that we were, we were right about it, yeah. and uh, you'll find out later. So we'll jump right into Thursday night. 
into an AAC matchup that I'm, I'm kind of interested in. Uh, Tulane at SMU, 7.30 on ESPN. Also on Thursday night, FAU at Charlotte, Louisiana at Arkansas State, San Jose State at UNLV. So kind of a G5 treat here. Um, the Tulane and SMU game is intriguing to me because Tulane has been kind of close throughout the season, but just keeps losing in increasingly ridiculous ways. The defense is not good, <laughs> but I, I do think that Michael Pratt is good enough to kind of make this a shootout. I think SMU wins by a couple touchdowns, but I, I, I do like some of the Tulane offense. It just seems like this is one of those years where everything that could go wrong does. They're just too mistake prone. Is what I keep getting into, and I feel like they just don't finish drives very well. Which SMU is like not been super efficient in their own right all the time. I mean, their offense has, but their defense is like constantly has breakdowns. Yeah, uh, but they've just been able to outscore everybody they come close to. Yeah, um, I am getting really excited. I didn't think this would happen this way at the start of the season, but that SMU Houston game coming up. Yeah, uh, and what I think that's four weeks away. They play. Oh uh, no, they play next weekend. Just Let's kidding. go. Uh, that. Ha- yeah, that Saturday game, the Saturday night game, SMU and Houston, that's going to be a banger. And if Houston wins this week, uh, they will be ranked. Yeah. So let's, uh, yeah, if Houston plays East Carolina at home, they should certainly win that game. Yeah. Uh, that will be a ranked on ranked G5 game, I think, next week if, if both those teams uh, take care of business. Yeah. And I, I do have, I think I have, and I have not yet cleared this with you. So we'll talk this through live and then we'll jump to the Saturday oh, no. games. But um, I do think I have a new rooting directive for the, for the flipping the field fans or the, the, the G5 heads the out there for, for the sickos. Um, I think Houston needs to win that game because I think that two ranked wins for Cincinnati is better than two ranked wins over the same team, essentially. I think that if SMU wins outside of that game, every game finishes 10-2 and two and loses to Cincinnati, and then Cincinnati beats 11-1 and one Houston in the AAC championship, I think that looks better for Cincinnati than beating SMU twice. Yeah, probably. I, I, I'm of the opinion at this point that I, I don't know that... I think it's just a marginal difference. Like I think at this point, as much as I would not like it to be this way... Um, Cincinnati's fate is in Georgia's hands. Like, if Georgia beats Bama in the season title game, Cincinnati is not getting passed by anybody besides, you know, the only teams that could be ahead of them are Georgia, Oklahoma, and whatever Big Ten team survives the East. So, yeah. probably Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio State. Right. Uh, right, Ohio State. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I was trying to be deferential for once. Uh, but, no, man. I've, wa- you know, I've those... watched those Big Ten East teams. We're all pretending that they're top 10 teams. They all stink. Come on. Fair enough. Fair enough. But anyway. You know, it'll be if Georgia can beat them in the title game, which I tend to think they will. Yeah. And we are looking at uh, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Cincinnati the playoff. Uh, if they don't do that, then it's going to be Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, and Ohio State in the playoff. Yeah. And that's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah. Well, the good news is that Alabama is uh, not going to beat Georgia, so I'm not terribly worried about that's it. That's right. Um, I, I agree. Nothing else on this Thursday night really stands out to me a ton. Arkansas State is terrible, as is UNLV and also San Jose State. I will mention the FAU Charlotte mm-hmm. game is interesting <laughs> because if Charlotte wins this game, there's a very good chance it could win the CUSA, like full on win the CUSA. The offense, I think, is good Let's enough go. to do that. Um, probably doesn't beat UTSA in, in a, any championship game. I don't know if they're in the same division off the top of my head, but. Um, if Charlotte wins this game, it is very much as as much a contender as like UAB and UTSA are, and that's awesome. That's that's very cool. Um, and it's time to talk about uh, Virginia Tech head coach Will Healy. It is it is time to talk about that. Uh, Friday night, avoid at all costs. Do not watch anything on Friday night. Just sit on your on your couch and stare and stare at the empty screen. You don't need to put anything on. Just listen, listen. Sit there. You're gonna look at the schedule. Yeah. You the fan. You the the. Uh, 
Yeah, the, the, the viewer. Member. Yeah. Yes. You're going to see, oh, UCF plays Memphis. That's kind of interesting. No. <laughs> Don't watch it. Don't do it. Don't watch that game. <laughs> we told you about the Marshall App State good helmet game. Yeah. That is a bad G5 helmet game. Those yeah. teams suck, dude. Don't watch that fucking game. Yeah, this is, uh, no, like, UCF does not have a quarterback. I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm not saying that to be mean to Gus Malzahn. Mikey Keene is not capable of playing college football, and he's their starting quarterback. Like that, It's bad out mm-hmm. there. It's bad. I think it's bad to the point where Memphis is going to beat their ass, and this is a bad Memphis team. Um, hey, yeah, look, just, like, it's bad l- enough. I'm not even doing the song. I'm not even yeah. going to do it this week. Yeah, literally, if you live in America, go to a high school game on Friday night. Go to a high school well, game on you Friday. Could just, you could just get drunk with your friends. You could do that at a high school game. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's what we're recommending. Go to a high school. Uh, hang out in the student section. Pretend you're one of the high school kids. Yeah. Get absolutely plastered. Give the teenagers alcohol, too. It's Have a, fun with Listen, it. it's a good way to make money. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so <laughs> not, not, uh, this does not work as legal advice because Ryan is no longer on the podcast. So you can't, this, you can't, we can't get in trouble for this. You cannot disbar our friend Ryan Gibb. Yes. He doesn't know about this. He doesn't know that I said that. Uh, Saturday early, Staple Beer Wake Forest at Army, uh, noon on CBSSN. Uh, this is the biggest <laughs> obstacle standing between Wake Forest and an undefeated season. <laughs> That's not true. Am I kidding? It's hard to say. They still still play Clemson and NC State, I guess. Clemson? I don't know, man. Clemson? Don't they play? I mean. Are we talking about Clemson as better than Army (laughs) in this economy? Uh, (laughs) I don't see Clemson moving the ball down the field. Once figures out how to score some points, I might be willing to think that, but we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, Anyway, uh, yeah, I can't wait for that, you know, nine to seven Wake Forest Clemson rock fight that's coming. Yeah. And uh, there's not going to be a field goal kick. That's a safety. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wake Forest is going to win here, but it's shameful that this is on CBS as it. You know how you know it's a good window is when the best game is on that slot is on CBS Sports Network. That's right. That's how you know you're watching some good shit. Yeah. Uh, So that's our staple beer. Uh, The one that your buddy says is good, but probably sucks, and he's lying. Uh, is Kansas State at Texas Tech. Boy, um, howdy. Boy, just maybe <laughs> maybe just don't watch anything at noon. <laughs> yeah, I think I think here's here's your plan. You do whatever you want to do until like two o'clock. Yep. Check the score and if Wake Forest Army is close, head home to watch the end of it. But I'm yep. gonna tell you about some more games. You don't have to watch them. In fact you really shouldn't. Yeah, we're but... we're, we're gonna roll through these. Do you have any thoughts on Kansas State, Texas Tech? No, man, not yeah. a single thought yeah. in my head. Except, we're... except, except. So you do. If Texas Tech wins this game, uh, all of a sudden we're looking at five and two Texas Tech. Yeah, that's uh, that's something to uh, you know. No, I just think there's something. I'm checking the uh, standings right now. Right. Well, Ryan to Ryan to steal a phrase from Stephen. Oh, God- sorry, six and two Texas Tech. Six and two. Okay, go ahead. To steal a phrase from Stephen Godfrey. Is this an anxiety bowl here? Does the loser of this game feel like some legitimate coaching hot seat, uh, you know, feelings? Cause I don't think Chris Kleiman would. No. But, like, they've been no, wanting to fire think... Matt Wells for four years now. Or even before they hired him, they wanted to fire him. <laughs> I mean, that's true. But uh, actually, I guess I mean, it's interesting because you can look at it right now. If Texas Tech, if you win this week, which you probably should win this game, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you're bowl eligible by mid-October, which yeah. like in a normal Texas Tech season, you're like, let's fucking go. That's awesome. <clears throat> on the other hand, if you lose this week, the remaining games on your schedule 
are at Oklahoma versus Iowa State versus OK State at Baylor. Yeah. You're not winning one of those four. You've kind of got to win this week to get well yeah, and the, the other issue is they absolutely cannot stand Matt Wells. And it, from what I have gathered, Texas Tech fans really want Jeff Trailer, which I think is a good instinct. Um, and if you win this week, you're probably not going to get him. So maybe maybe just don't. Maybe just don't win this week. <laughs> maybe. You, you, think, you think he'll replace Jimbo? What? You think he'll replace Jimbo? Trailer? Yeah. No, man. <laughs> you, think, you think he'll take over... You think I'll take over at A&M? No, but I think TCU might come open this offseason, and I think that he would yeah. take that. Um, weird beers that you tried anyway. in the 5% chance that they're actually good. I'm literally just going to say these, and then we're going to move on. Cincinnati at Navy, Syracuse at Virginia Tech, Northwestern at Michigan, Illinois at Penn State. Anything here? No. Um, no. That Penn State game is going to be heinous. Uh, yeah. They might start Christian Ballou at Canadian oh, at Orvelio. At Something like that. Yeah. Listen, hey, just rule some here. If you're not playing basketball, don't start a Canadian. <laughs> okay. If it's an American sport besides basketball, so we're not talking about hockey. Okay. Don't start a Canadian. What about baseball? Anti-Canadian in baseball too. Name one good one. I don't. I don't know any. I, it, it does. Uh, mm-hmm. Does Vlad Junior count? Because I think he was born in Canada. No. He might have been conceived in Canada, but he's not a Canadian. Okay, all right. Um, Saturday afternoon, <laughs> Staple Beer, Clemson at Pitt, three thirty on. Hang ESPN. on, hang on, hang on. Hang on. Oh. Before you get into this, okay. I just want to issue a, a quick, quick heads up. People are going to tell you out there on the internet. They're going to say it's about college football. Yeah, they're out of their fucking minds. This afternoon window is awesome. There is like some really good games in this window. And more than that, there's enough of them. There are like eight equally good games, basically, that uh, one or two of them will turn into a total embarrassment for somebody. One or two will come down to the wire. Uh, and one or two will be at least entertaining for a few quarters. Yeah, You're going to have some good football in this window. I've, Patrick, got, go ahead. I've got some takes for this window, too, that I'm ready to dole <laughs> out. So, Staple Beers, Clemson at Pitt. I think we're both in agreement on this. Pat Narduzzi is going to roll over, over Dabo Swinney's corpse here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just, like... I mean, what does Clemson have I mean, in this game that, that is better than what Pitt is doing? Like, like, Clemson's defense is better, but Clemson, Clemson literally can't, it can't move Clemson, the ball. Like, I agree, but uh, I mean, like, I don't trust it. I don't think that Clemson will win. I'm not saying yeah. that, but like, there is a scenario where DJ looks at that catch that Joseph Nana made last week, right? He's just like, "Oh, that's right. I'm six five, two hundred sixty pounds, and people can't hit me that hard, yeah. and I can just throw it up to the corner of the end zone, and I'll get three or four touchdowns this week if I do that." Yeah, I, I just like I think that last week was but Kenny the, Pickett's getting five. So yeah, yeah, Kenny luck. Pickett's getting five. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that last week was the one where everybody was thinking like, oh, this is the grit right game for Clemson. They're going to be back, and they weren't. I I think that this is just what they are. I don't think DJ is a capable quarterback. I, I he he's not athletic in any meaningful way, and he doesn't throw the ball very well. I don't really know what he does exactly for you beyond look like he should be better than he is. But I I'm honestly shocked by it. I didn't think yeah. it'd be this terrible. I'm really surprised. I, their quarterback development is is atrocious, but I suppose that could have something to do with having like 45 members of your staff are all former players who have never coached before. It seems like maybe that is contributing to some of their issues here. Um, yeah, I, I think Pitt's going to win this game. I, I think that barring Pat Narduzzi getting in his own way, which is certainly something that he has want to do, Clemson has like one good offensive player. 
like one healthy good offensive player and of course that's Matt Bockhorst friend of the show um that's right yeah that's right but like <laughs> it's there's just there's nothing on this offense that scares me and I think that Pat Narduzzi is going to tee off on that and it's very funny to say that about a Clemson pit game but I don't think Clemson's going to score more than two touchdowns here no I tend to agree with you and by the way uh I mean I don't think the pit defense has been like outstanding this year but just as a general trend, I mean, they've actually been pretty goddamn good. I mean, they've only allowed 28 points through six games. Yeah. That's really impressive. And uh, hire Randy Bates. If you're a team that's that right. defensive coordinator, Randy Bates is – look, I understand he came out of the Pat Fitzgerald tree, and I'm not supposed to say good things about that. But uh, he's really good, man. Also, that stat is wrong. ESPN is incorrect on that. Sorry. Okay. Pitt has allowed uh, – more 117 than, points okay. this year. Yeah, that's a little. Bit, I was gonna say if it was 28, <laughs> that's that's um those that the Georgia Panthers right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, but um, yeah, Pitt's playing really good football right now. Like you can't yeah. say anything about it. They're Kenny Pickett's scoring. Uh, their lowest point total of the season was on the road at Virginia Tech, who, for all their faults, do still have a decent defense. Yeah. Um, if Pitt gets to 28 points, they're gonna win this game, and I think. They're getting to 28 points. I, think, I don't really see... I think if Pitt gets to 17, it would win this game. Syracuse almost beat Clemson. I think uh, you're probably right. You're probably right. But again... Can Clemson know. score 17 if, points? If you're only getting 17 points, you're putting yourself in a position where Clemson sure. may have a last minute yeah, drive. You sh- I'm not recommending have... it, but I, I also... I mean, yeah. I don't think that that's what's going to happen either. I think Pitt's going to win by three scores. If Pitt wins by three scores, they're going to be a top 20 team. Yeah. And we just have a dance coming down at the end of the season between Wake Forest, NC State, and Pitt for the ACC title, which is so fucking good. The dream. This is the dream. Virgin- Virginia is involved, too. Oh, my God. Way. I just uh, got a, a jolt of energy when you said that. <laughs> dude, I mean, listen, if Pitt wins this game, their amazing this... schedule is home against Miami, who sucks. Yeah. On the road at Duke, who sucks. Home against UNC. Who are bad, but have been Pat Narduzzi's kryptonite for sure. like, his entire tenure there. That's interesting. Then they get a long layoff of Virginia at home, then on the road at Syracuse. Yeah, they will be favored every single one of those games the rest of the year. Uh, you have Wake Forest, who looks uh, if they win an Army this week, they get Duke at home, they get UNC on the road, but they should kill. Uh, then you have a banger on November thirteenth of NC State versus Wake with the Atlantic on the line. Yeah. Then they go on the road at Clemson at BC, which they could lose their last three games. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you've got NC state, uh, who again, their only tough game is at wake. They'll win the rest of their, their schedule. Yeah. Um, Ryan, before we move on to the next game here, I do actually, I, I want to, I want to get your live reaction to something, uh, that I think is, is right up your alley. Did you happen to read my oh, newsletter no. today? Uh, Yeah. No, okay. No, it's okay. It's okay that you didn't because I want to get your live reaction. So I I realigned the entirety of the FBS. How far, how, how far could I have pushed that without you like? Uh, oh, I would have known right know away because because I would have seen your your live reaction to this. So one of the conferences that I created today, I really want to get your thoughts on because I think it's right up your alley. Um, so this is this is called the Appalachian Conference. Um, in the my language. you have the West and the East. I'm going to start with the West because I think it's the one that will get the less amount of heat out of you. So the West is Cincinnati, Kentucky, Louisville, Memphis, Middle Tennessee State, Ohio, and Western Kentucky. The East is App State, Marshall, Penn State, Pitt, Virginia, Virginia Tech, West Virginia. What are your thoughts on this? It seems fun. I mean, as you saw me tweet on my, on my private account a couple of weeks ago, 
Uh, I think I have like 13 or 15 uh, like conference realignment notes on my phone at different points, just like yeah. making it my own conferences. <laughs> yeah. And I'm pretty sure I've done something exactly to this effect. Yeah. Um, I did one that really pissed off my Pitt fan friends. Like, I did something similar to this where it was like restoring all the old rivalries. Yeah. Uh, except I also put Clemson in the conference. Mm. <laughs> and they're just like, what the fuck? Like, fuck <laughs> off. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a fun conference. And there's a lot of teams that hate each other in there. Yeah. And I think. You know, we all know, of course, about Pitt, Penn State, Pitt, Virginia Tech, uh, Cincinnati versus everybody. Um, but West Virginia, Virginia Tech uh, is a really fun rivalry, and they don't—we don't get that hot, uh, played up enough. And they have what's yeah. the Black Diamond Trophy? Is that, there a, is that, there a rivalry trophy? That sounds right. Yeah, and uh, I think Doug Nestor, who transferred from VT to VU, yeah, uh, ran out on the field after the game and like planted the uh, after. Uh, <laughs> Or other way around. Uh, one of the, the either way, getting getting a, a flag planted on your field by an offensive lineman is the ultimate shame. Pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, I, I I do also like, and we we might do a full show on some at some point about realigning conferences if I can force you into it. But I do also really yeah. like the idea of Marshall in that conference because hating ass Marshall <laughs> against all of those teams, <laughs> Marshall and App State both just like oh shit they got a they got a metal chair uh oh uh oh that team's got a metal chair (laughs) i'll tell you this right now you better not try to fly into huntington because they have revenge on their brain oh god (laughs) (laughs) oh no you Uh, may have thought congress appropriated a few billion dollars for the iron dome in israel just wait until you see what they have in the panhandle yeah just wait watch out um Uh, one okay after we spent five minutes telling you how great this window is and yep. I'm going to uh, rant 15 minutes about other stuff. <laughs> Let's get back to the <laughs> afternoon games. <laughs> uh, the one that your buddy says is good, but in this case, he's actually telling the truth and it is good. Oklahoma State at Iowa State on three or, uh, on Fox at 3.30, Oregon at UCLA on ABC, and then LSU at Ole Miss on CBS. What tickles your fancy here? Patrick, God forgive me, I'm starting to buy into Oklahoma State a little oh. bit as being the same team as Penn State or Iowa. Oh, well, I mean, I guess in that case, then that's that's fair. But like those teams, they the are same team, like those teams, they are yeah. bad. <laughs> sure, but if you're the same team as Iowa, you're going to beat Matt Campbell by two touchdowns. I mean, sure. they're, they're going to win this game. Okay, but I am looking forward to it because they're going to do it in a really soul sucking way. Yeah, it's just going to crush these guys. Um, I don't know that Baylor win for OK State keeps looking better. Yeah, I mean that that just like is a. It's a what a two score home win against a ranked team. That's a that's a pretty good game for OK State. Yeah. Um, Oregon UCLA shamefully is game day, which is very very funny. Yes. <laughs> they they had to go out west once this, this year. Yeah, these are two teams that hate to show up for the game, so mm-hmm. I don't know who will win. I, I um, think I think UCLA is going to win. Oregon looks really bad. Oregon looks they do like, look bad. Oregon is severely like, injured and just looks really bad. Okay, so you're just to clarify, you're betting on Chip Kelly trying. Yes. Against Mario Cristobal? Yes. Do you feel good about that? Mario Cristobal in a big game against someone that isn't Ryan Day. I feel pretty good about it. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think you're probably right. I think he still probably wins, which just ends the Pac-12. Yeah. Um, The the last one here, the the last one here, LSU at Ole Miss, is the one that I have takes on. Ryan, I think LSU is going to win this game. (laughs) 
I have I have no reasoning for it beyond just I think it's going to happen because I think it's going to be I, I think it's the funniest outcome. Um, I think I think Ed Orgeron's going to finish the season with like six straight wins and get a, a head coaching that job at the ma- at a at a major level, right? Like that feels like he's the you know he's the interim god that's his whole thing and now he gets to be his own interim coach trying to win himself a job somewhere <laughs> else the man's going six and oh yeah he's unlocked this final level being your own interim <laughs> coach is really funny i never had to think about it that way what a king. Um, yeah there's a lot of potential in this game i mean also like late uh, here, here's a great scenario is ed orgeron comes out kicks lane kiffin's ass still leaves the lsu job then lane kiffin has to go to lsu after his ass kicked by lsu Oh, oh my God. Ed Orgeron is just going around eliminating other candidates for LSU. Like he he's going through, <laughs> you know, they they go and they uh, I don't know if they've played Texas A and M yet, but if they haven't, he goes and beats Jimbo. Uh, they get Michigan State in a bowl game, and he kills Mel Tucker at midfield. Like I, Ed Orgeron <laughs> is just going to eliminate all other LSU candidates until he's the only one left, and they have to hire him again. That's right. That's right. Uh, he even gets to play Terry Bowden in late November, yeah, so that's going to yeah. be pretty big. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> all right. So those games are all great. Yeah. Uh, and then we have more. We have more content coming for you. By the way, everything we so far is a 3.30 kick. The reason this is fun is we have a couple other times, too. It's just going to play out to get a few endings. Um, we've got uh, Wisconsin at Purdue at 3 o'clock on BTN. Someone will score 10 points to win this game. It's going to be uh, Wisconsin. It's, it's gonna be, probably going to be Wisconsin. Yeah, it's going to be Wisconsin. This is, they, folks, this is ranked Purdue we're talking about. They're not going to stay ranked. But I think it's funny if, like, Purdue is awful, as we all know, but, like, David Bell just decides, like, fuck this, I'm tired of losing, and just decides to win every game the rest of the schedule. <laughs> uh, I, I agree. I agree. I think he should win every game on the rest of the schedule. Every single uh, one of them. Yeah, I know his, I know his <laughs> in the schedule, Patrick. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Uh, I mean... Probably not the rest of the schedule, right? Because I don't think this team could beat Michigan State, which is kind of funny to say. But mm-hmm. uh, or that's Ohio the big State, no. But... The Michigan State is the biggest issue left. For them. <laughs> but could Purdue just win the Big Ten West almost by accident? I mean, I yeah, I I don't even know if it would need to require Purdue winning it. I think it's just that six other teams are going to lose it. I think they're all really bad. Yeah, I I actually kind of think I want Purdue in this game over Wisconsin. I think I kind of believe in them more right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I have uh, <laughs> I have no real thoughts on this as a football game. I'm not going to watch it. Uh, speaking of okay, games, I'm not going to watch. Maryland at Minnesota. Uh, somebody's got to win it, I guess. Maryland is in kind Someone's of dire. Win it. Maryland's in kind of dire straits right now. These teams are both four and two, and they both feel like they're fucking terrible and in dire straits. Really yeah. funny season. Yeah, we love that. <laughs> Western Michigan at Toledo. Speaking of teams that are in dire straits, uh, Jason Candle's going to get fired. Jason Candle's going to get his ass fired <laughs> if they don't start winning games. And I'll tell you, I don't think they're going to win this one. This this one actually seems pretty unlikely for them to win because Western Michigan is... They are favored in this game, if I recall correctly. What the I was fuck? looking at the lines and I, I took Western Michigan. I'm pretty sure they were favored. Yeah. Or at least they were early week. I don't know where they're at now. Man, that sucks. Uh, BYU at Washington State. Washington State... Seemingly without a coaching staff, which will be interesting. I think that there was there were message board rumors that Washington State was going to try and protest this game, which I, I don't think is true. Uh, BYU mm. BYU probably it should <laughs> yeah BYU should probably win this one, but uh, then again, Washington State is is a man with nothing to lose essentially in the form of a football team, which is always a little troubling. Who is in the interim right now? I haven't even like. Uh, oh, I think it's it's not the I think it's like the defensive coordinator maybe because I believe the play caller was also fired. It's Jake Dicker. Uh, have you ever heard that name before in your life? The Texas puncher? 
<laughs> that's that's Cameron Dicker, and ah, he's a kicker. Okay. Uh, he also punts. Jake Dicker. Let's see. Here's his resume. Um, he has been at Washington State since last year, two years now. Before that, he was the DC for one year under Craig Bowl at Wyoming. Great. Uh, he was their safeties coach for two years, and that is the entire his experience at the FBS level. Hmm. Well, <laughs> he's 38 years old. Okay. Uh, I mean, I like the Craig Bowl hmm. thing. That's good. I like Craig Bowl. Not as an offensive coach, but defensively, that's pretty good. Um, Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I think BYU gets right here. Boston College, last one here, Boston College at Louisville, 4 p.m. on the ACC Network. If you watch this, you have to go to federal jail. You have to go to federal prison. (laughs) It's it for you. I'm sorry. It's it's a late end to the game, and I now have, by virtue of my takes on the internet, I didn't want to do this, but... (laughs) Unfortunately, the overreactions by fans in favor of Jeff Halfley have caused me to become a Jeff Halfley hater. Same thing that happened with Matt Campbell. <laughs> it's not my fault. They made me do it. Listen, Aww. I'm fine if you say, hey, Jeff Halfley's looking pretty frisky over there at Boston College. That's fine. If you start saying, I mean, they better hire Jeff Halfley at Penn State like before someone else does, I'm yeah. like, come on. Man, I don't know. I like he, Jeff Halfley. He was a nice guy. He he is going oh, to do. Brother. Jeff Halfley was going to do open locker rooms before COVID. He's a good guy. <laughs> Who cares about the damn media? <laughs> I do. <laughs> that's that's the only thing that I care about. It's the only thing I have left. Uh, all right. Well, look. I mean, if you like him so much, why don't you go to his open locker room and tell him how to you know figure out how to beat a team over five hundred for the second time in his career? Okay. He hasn't done it yet. I'll do that. Uh, Saturday evening, Staple Beer, <laughs> San Diego State at Air Force. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is absolutely oh, yeah. a Staple Beer. Um, Air Force has a really fun, kind of explosive version of the triple option for their offense, and San Diego State uh, really wants to wrestle. That's San Diego State's primary pitch on the field is that it really wants to wrestle with you. And I think that this is going to be a, a bloodbath in both directions, like not a blowout. I think that these teams are just going to beat the hell out of each other for three hours. I have no idea who's going to win this game. Air Force is at home. Did you know that uh, nice, Brady but... Coach, Brady Coach, Brady Coach, Brady, Brady Coach is the only active coach. I did. Yes, to go six and zero at three different schools. Yes, I believe that might be wrong, but I did see it. Um, hmm. I, I can't remember. I can't remember who else it was that I saw that that might have done it. But I, I it does it doesn't matter. Um, but it's uh, it's good. I'm pro. I, I I said in my my uh, my preview for San Diego State this summer, as well as in my Arkansas State preview, like Butch Jones and Brady Hoke are very funny characters, and they're you know they've they've become very Reddit, and it's it's you know fun to make fun of them, right? But they're also really good G five coaches, like historically speaking. And Brady Hoke was pretty much the perfect coach for San Diego State the first time he came through, and now he's back and has a better version of the program to build on like they're really good at what they do he he understands the he understands what you have to do to win there for for whatever reason this is what you have to do to win there uh and he's really good at it like this defense is fantastic the the offense can't score even a little bit and that's exactly what they want like good for good for brady hoke for for kind of recognizing his limitations here and going to the program that he really is is best suited for i simply cannot disagree I'm yeah. With you. Yeah. Uh one your buddy says is good, but it probably sucks and he's lying. This one does suck. NC State at Miami, seven thirty. I guess if you want to watch NC State run for four hundred yards, this is a good opportunity to do it. Miami's rush you defense know, is, 
is always fun for you that know sort I'm of looking thing. looking for any opportunity to watch NC State football. Yes. And if there's one thing I'm going to do <laughs> on a weekend, I'm going to watch some NC State football. Yeah. I, and I, uh, Dave Dorn ha- has my guys humming. Yeah. Uh, weird beers that you try in the 5% chance that they're actually good. Alabama at Tennessee, Ohio State at Indiana, USC at Notre Dame, and Nevada at Fresno State. Best game in here is the last one, Nevada at Fresno State. Um, if Jake Hayner is healthy enough to contribute seriously, then this is going to be a really good game. He has been sort of dinged up all season, but these are two good teams, two fun offenses to watch. I think that this is sort of the the opposite of the you know the stable beer here, which is another Mountain West game. This is the all offense game. Uh, these two teams don't want to hit each other even a little bit, but I do think that it's going to be an absolute blast to watch. This is the one that I'm most looking forward to, and probably the one that I'll have on my computer in the press box. I will say this. Uh, the afternoon window, like I said, is the best one. The evening window has the most pack watch potentials. Uh, yeah. We have a lot of pack watches going on. <laughs> uh, um, Manny Diaz might get fired from this game bad enough. Uh, Nick Saban could lose this game at Tennessee. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I don't know, man. Nick, Tennessee looks I, a little frisky. I you, know. Know, you know what I'm going to say? Nick Saban is not catching that golf ball. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, man. Nick Saban's not Nick, hes not as nimble as Lane Kiffin is. Here's the difference between Lane Kiffin, a cool coach, and Nick Saban, <laughs> a loser. Lane Kiffin gets a golf ball thrown at him. He's walking out of the stands. They're getting a win. He's saying, hey, can you throw me down something else? One more for the road? Yeah. He's catching that thing whenever they're throwing at him. Then you've got Nick Saban, who's like, Oh, um, I actually got a bruise on my arm whenever I lost the game and the fans rushed the field and it really actually is a big ouchie and it hurts. Yeah. Shut up, dude. You get paid nineteen million dollars a year. Don't cry about a bruise. Yeah. Win the game. Yeah, go out and win the game. They will here, but uh also also <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, also also Tom Allen pack watch. Tom yeah. Allen pack watch is going up. Un- unfortunately, yes, the Tom Allen pack watch. This Indiana offense is unwatchable. It's really, really bad. The cure for the common defense, which is exactly what Ohio State has. Um, I, Ohio State wins here by four or five touchdowns. USC at Notre Dame. Is this a Brian Kelly pack watch? What are we talking here? Um, I think everyone is available to get, to get swooped up right here. I mean, okay. <laughs> as much as I hate to say it, Keaton Slovis pack launch is on, is on notice. Oh, uh, the, key, the Keaton Slovis pack has been going up for about five weeks now, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really willing to commit to it yet. Um, what do we think about Drake on the Blitnikoff campaign? Are you uh, are you in? I'm pro that. I do also. I the the only uh, the other pack watch I will note here. Devin Brown committed to USC pack watch is is looking <laughs> for those recruiting heads out there is looking extremely unstable right now. <laughs> yeah, they also just lost uh, their five star defensive commit Mikel Williams to uh, Georgia to Georgia today. Yep. Yeah, he just flipped. Yeah. Uh, which means they're also not going to get Kristen Miller, who they were a, a high force circuit attack when they were likely to get before. Uh, he's probably not also going to Georgia or maybe Ohio State, but probably Georgia. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Notre Dame. I, I'm. We have to root for Notre Dame, Patrick, which yeah. is a bad feeling to have. But uh, we've talked about it. We are in the death march alongside Brian Kelly. We have to root for him to win every single game the rest of the season. If they can finish, basically just uh, survive the. Uh, Survive the rest of the schedule, which they should do easily if they're any good, um, and kind of just waltz into being ranked ahead of a couple of these Big Ten East teams that are ahead of them. Yeah, uh, and maybe watch somebody else lose. Maybe or Oklahoma State lose twice, of course. <laughs> you know, and just sneak into the top ten at the end of the year. 
and help out uh, our boys in red down there uh, at Nipper. That's what we want to see. That's right. You know, listen, I'm perfectly fine walking alongside Brian Kelly. I don't want to be 40 yards above him. That's my only concern. So long as I am right next to Brian Kelly, I'm comfortable. If as soon as I start to become elevated over Brian Kelly, I'm I'm very worried. Um, Man, Saturday night late slate is nothing. Just go to bed, folks. Just go to bed. Yeah, 11:30. Yeah, 11:30 hits. Just go to bed. We speaking of, we need to free Hawaii from from Todd Graham and get them a real coach so that it can be fun to watch Hawaii again. <laughs> Uh, Nick Rolovich is available. <laughs> yeah, I hear Nick Rolovich is available. Uh, I, I, I'm actually I'm going to guess that Hawaii is probably not friendlier to, <laughs> to anti-vax guys than Washington is, from what I know about the uh, the state of Hawaii. Ryan, do you have anything else here before Fun we get out of here? No, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to this weekend of college football. I'm actually not going to be able to watch a ton of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, I am. I mean, unfortunately, I have exciting plans. I'm going to see. Uh, uh, friends of the show, uh, Will and Greg, uh, are out there on uh, the Pacific Northwest. It is Will's birthday. Happy birthday, Will. Uh, we're going to go uh, hang out up there and do some hiking. Uh, we're going to up in a rural cabin uh, by in the somewhere rural Washington uh, Saturday night. Uh, Grace, if you are being forced to listen to this by Will and Greg, I hope this place has cable. Uh, and also thank you for planning everything. Uh, so <laughs> we will... Uh, we will see everyone on Saturday, and I'm just going to be checking the scores coming down off this whatever mountain we're climbing. Yeah, and uh, getting just laughing uproariously whenever I see that Western Michigan won by 47 points, or you know, uh, Paul Chris got fired at halftime after David Dale <laughs> had 190 yards. Whatever, whatever's going to happen. Uh, I'll be laughing at it. <laughs> That's right. And it'll make for a very fun recap where neither of us have watched any of the games. And I think that people will really enjoy that. And for that recap, we will see you guys likely Monday. Uh, but we will we will see. Uh, and, and Yeah, and should we should we start teasing? We have a um, – keep your eye out for it. Uh, yeah, watch this space. After Halloween. Yeah, we've got a, a little special coming. I think we're, we're pretty excited about it. Yeah. We're going to talk about more in depth later on. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Ryan, I will talk to you after these uh, after this interesting slate of games. Let's go. Thanks again to friend of the show, Ryan, for coming on, yeah. by the way. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, as always, uh, if you like the show, if you like Rafa, I'm off and watch Ron. Um, share, the, share the show with your friends, and we'll let you know. Yep. Bye-bye.